Hello, hi, I hope you're well, I hope you are good, and welcome to the 8th episode of the African Film Podcast. This is the first time you're with the African Film Podcast, this is a space where we explore African cinema through film recommendations, as well as pertinent conversations with practitioners working within the field. So we usually start with the film recommendation, and then we go into the in-depth conversation. Our recommendation this week finds us traveling to one of our neighboring countries, Mozambique, with their film, The Train of Salt and Sugar. Based on the book written by the film's director, the Senor Azevedo, The Train of Salt and Sugar is an act of tension. Physical tension, psychological tension, and sexual tension. This film is tense. Set within the 80s, this film transports us right into the middle of Mozambique's civil war, and the premise of it is actually quite simple. During the civil war, commodities like salt and sugar were incredibly scarce, and thus the transportation of them was an incredibly dangerous mission, because rebel forces would intervene on the movement of these goods and commodities via train, and within the context of the film, like at the beginning of the film, we're told that the previous train, when it was into the passengers as well as some of the crew members were assassinated as a warning message. So this is the world that we're essentially living in and the movie takes us on the journey as these war veterans are sent in to protect the traveling of these goods and services and the passengers since this is a free trip for the passengers because this train is not actually meant to have passengers but in payment or in substitute of them paying they then have to help should anything occur like for example tracks have been removed or whatever happens they're then helping in the mission to make sure that they get to the other side alive and in one piece Este vagão é nosso. Todo o comboio é nosso. Soldados são como crianças. Crianças violentas. Minha filha, pensar muito dá dor de cabeça e não enche barriga. me personally, The Train of Salt and Sugar is, I think, one of my favorites in terms of the recommendations we have done thus far. It really, it's got this really classic feel to it in terms of the way that the story's done, the way it's shot. It's very Western set in that we start at the train and most of the film were basically on this journey with the characters and all the drama that lives both with them knowing how dangerous the mission is and also the inner turmoil and politics of the characters within. So we get this growing romance between the lieutenant and the nurse. This rising tension within the soldiers themselves as some of the soldiers were formally trained in the art of war in terms of going abroad and doing missions there while some were essentially trained on the streets and their outlook on how to go about being soldiers and what soldiers are owed is very different. We also get into the politics and the just general understanding of surviving within the civil war and what it is that means and being within Mozambique's civil war. I think it is a great snapshot or at least it's a very transformative film to kind of get you into that world. It's entirely in Portuguese. Yeah, I would definitely recommend it. It is available on Showmax so if you are into suspense, 
slow burner films western set you can feel that it was it was adapted from a book in terms of how the characters how rich the characters are and their outlook so if that's the type of film that you enjoy i would recommend this and then now with our guest today we jump into the world of film culture and when i talk about film culture i'm talking about commentary reviews and criticisms and today's guest is one of my favorite critics within the south african spectrum and his name is Kanawe. and our conversation conversation with Kanawe basically unpacks film culture or at least the state of film culture within a South African, very, very South African perspective. Um, so if you're also looking for a lot of film um, recommendations, there are quite a bit of them in that as well as how it is that we can kind of navigate and or grow film culture within South Africa, both from from a consumption perspective as well as from a performance perspective. So if that's something which interests you, please do stay for that. This is the eighth episode of African Film. And yeah, here is the episode. Welcome. African film. In studio, we have someone I have been chatting with for a few months, and I'm going to give the genesis of our actual our meeting up because it is directly linked to African film. If he doesn't know, so um, African <laughs> film started off in African film started off as an online film club at the beginning of lockdown. We had already planned to start it because it was quarantine, and then lockdown kind of happened the same day that we had scheduled our first online movie club and it was So the Winter to My Skin. And yeah. so we had a couple of movies that we were doing. And then, so the the process that I'd do is when we'd find a movie, we'd reach out to the filmmaker. And then also I would do like deep dives into the internet to find fun facts about whatever films that were there. So our third film was my Twitter. And I was looking for fun facts. And all of a sudden I came across this channel that had an interview <laughs> that had a whole ass interview with both DJ Black Coffee and the uh, the director of the of the movie Kahiso Lebiha and it was on our channel and i was i was so pissed off because i was i was i was thoroughly pissed off because i've been looking for online film channels for the longest time because i've had my own blog talking about film and you kind of feel like you're alone and then all of a sudden i'm finding this mm. channel that has been doing all of these Af- south african films and i was like wait a minute <laughs> and then what hurt me the most was it hadn't uploaded a film in like a year and i was like wait <laughs> why am i jumping onto this this late and this was Ranawe's channel and Ranawe is a youtuber he is a filmmaker he is a critic and it's probably a lot of other things which he's going to tell you about right now without further ado here is Ranawe yeah um thanks for having me man um hi guys i'm used to being on the channel where i just greet an imaginary audience <laughs> but yeah thanks for having me man i think that you introduced me pretty well i am a filmmaker critic and a lot of other things that we might or might not get into within this interview yeah but sorry i, I like what you mentioned when you're saying you were doing your blog and it usually starts feeling like you're alone for quite a while yeah that's amongst the many other reasons i've mentioned is 
kind of the reason why I take these, well, I don't intentionally take them, but I go on these highs. So by the time you came to the channel, you're like, this guy hasn't uploaded in a year. It's because it's that sometimes you're like, I feel like I'm speaking to myself and nobody cares. There's no one doing this stuff. And even the people that do watch, even if you check, it's only like recently where people started like commenting more on my videos and there's more of an interaction. But before, people would just watch and bounce. So you don't really know that did they watch? Did they like? Did they enjoy? Yeah, and, yeah. You don't really get that. I mean, I guess you you see the likes and but the likes are very. It's, it's a very impersonal interaction, and I'm a very personal person, so I, I like speaking to people and interacting with them. But yeah, it's that that's actually a real thing when you've been looking for other people. And like I feel like. I feel like I'm the only one here, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, what 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 was the genesis of the channel for you? What caused you to actually want to start the channel? You would be shocked, actually. It it was not what it is right now. Um, so what called me to start the channel has now ended up becoming like the long-term goal of where I want the channel to be. So some years ago, I was starting because I, I, I'm a self-taught filmmaker. So I was like, the best way obviously is to learn is to, because I had been consuming, consuming, learning and, you know, theoretically, but I was like, I need to start you know, shooting more than I do. And I told myself that this, not this year, um, was it 2016? I was like, this year I'm going to start being more intentional. I'm going to start shooting more. I'm going to shoot these like micro films, not even short films. Like one Context minute. when you're saying this year, what year is this year? 2016. I'm, I might be getting the years wrong. 2016 or 2017. I can't remember. Okay. But I was like, I'm going to be more intentional now. I'm going to shoot like these small 30 seconds, one minute short films, micro films. It's like maybe just a scene or a recreation of something just to nail down the technical side of things because i can ride i can do all of these things but the technical side i could be way better so i was like but then and then what like i need something to hold me accountable oh, i was like oh i could upload them to youtube oh yeah that's what i'm gonna do and then i could build like a fan base until the sad reality hit me that nobody knows me nobody <laughs> cares and apart from just nobody knowing me or caring about me nobody really not nobody most people really don't care about south african films and that's when i was like well i guess i have to get people interested in south african films first and south african cinema so i'd have to maybe mix it in and talk about it like, but that's too much it's not you know like i guess i should just start with just getting people interested in south african films first yeah. that's kind of the first first video on my channel where i kind of like say what it is that the channel is about and with time when i get better i'm gonna start posting my stuff but for now i just wanted to talk about because also i want to learn about the industry because i'm not in the industry and especially at that time i was like not even close and i want to learn more and there's not much information you know how south african pop culture is it's very difficult to find solid research on it or information even documentation even on google you, you really have to sometimes just get out there in the field and do it yourself and find out the information yourself so I was like i'm gonna use it as that also as some sort of like a visual journal or whatever and i was like so i'm gonna have to park like uploading my stuff maybe a year two years from now i'm gonna start uploading my short films my own vlogs and things that i do that i want to share right now let's get people talking about south african cinema south african films and television specifically and that's why it's still a strictly south african channel even though many times i've I've wanted to talk about things other than, than you know, South African films. You've seen... Because man, Mans is, if you do not know, Mans <laughs> is obsessed with Christopher Nolan. Um, <laughs> no. More than obsessed. He is he is a diehard fan. Um, my, my only vice. <laughs> my only vice. <laughs> because, because when, because one of, one of my greatest, 
I, I can't call it, you know, when, you watch, when you're watching something and you can see someone's in pain and you feel for them, but at the same time, you're getting enjoyment of it. That was me every time Tenet was getting pushed back and I'm seeing Hanawe comment oh, wow. about it on Twitter. <laughs> oh, so there were some prayers on the side over me. <laughs> no, not, not prayers, but like you're, you're very, on Twitter, you're very vocal. Yeah. But you're, it's, it's actually like you have two separate personalities on YouTube and what you have on Twitter. And sorry, yeah, it's almost like, because on Twitter, you're quite, uh, you can get very blunt. And on your <laughs> reviews, you're not as, actually, I think it was only your last review that I think you were a little bit more blunt, uh, yeah. with, uh, what's, what was that? Let's this, this is not a barrier. This is not a, yeah, I think that was your, actually your blandest review. You think so? I felt like it was your blandest review. Oh, most people, and surprisingly enough, people loved this video. And I look back and I'm like, I should have never done that. Um, the Dogalosha review, um, because it was more outrage content. So people were like, oh, this guy's losing his mind. And I was at the moment. But I look back and I'm like, that's not a good image. Like, I, I, I never want to speak about things in that manner. It was also just, it had no structure. But it was how I felt at the moment. I yeah. was like ranting and just venting. And I was really furious. But I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have uploaded this video. People liked that. I was like, but I'm never doing anything like that. <laughs> so, um, what is your favorite African film and why is it your favorite African film? Current favorite film, I would say, is. I want to say number 37. Really? It's, t- it's tough, man. It's, it's such a tough question because I've watched so many films. A lot of them are bad, a lot of them are good. Or rather, fair portion. Why? Of why? Okay. Why number thirty-seven? Number thirty-seven is actually a family favorite in this um, in this specific family because we watched it. I remember I watched it by myself and I was like, "No, yeah, my family can also really enjoy this." And they watched it and they were hooked. Yeah, this that and Ellen are very much family favorites. And yeah, Ellen or no, Ellen is Ellen. The performances of Ellen. <laughs> 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 the, the performances of Ellen really, really grab you in. And then finally, like in terms of family favorites, so they went into my skin. But what is it about number 37 for you? Um, I think it's the preconceived. So when I go out and I, I watch movies, right? Because mm-hmm. I do my best um, to always catch them opening weekend at the cinema all movies but more especially south african films i watched the trailer and i wasn't really hooked you know and that's another thing trailers don't really sway me it's usually just like if i've made a decision that i'm gonna watch a movie i'm gonna watch it either way and specifically south african trailers either oversell the film or yeah, undersell, undersell the film. The f- exactly I, I, I don't think i've seen very many that accurately sell. Yeah. so some will over the, some will have all the action in the in the trailer and you're like okay i'm hyped and you get into the get movie in and you realize that's like, all the action yeah. <laughs> whether it's an action film or even a comedy all the comedy scenes Isn't are it? in yeah and you're like why would you do this <laughs> and now i'm sitting here but yeah, yeah so so I, I get what you're saying in terms of the trailer but yeah yeah so i watched the trailer and also i was at a time where my channel was fairly new I figured out what I'm going to do until I realized that I didn't really think about, okay, is this a black channel? Is it black South African cinema? 
or is it just South African cinema? So when I, I had to make that conscious decision, I would say, come here, I, South African films include Afrikaans films. This includes Indian films. It includes anything that is South African. So now yeah. I have to ask myself things that align with values, enjoyment, a whole lot of things. I'm like, do I want to watch this film overall? Also, what does that say about my channel? And I was like, you know what? At first, I'm not really keen on watching Afrikaans films. But let me watch it. I'll make the decision after I've watched a few of them. And I've seen some South African films before then, but never with intention like now. Yeah. So like, okay, fine, let me watch it. And then I'll make this decision after that. And also another reason was when you watch the trailer for number 37, it has a lot of disturbia vibes, you know, Shia LaBeouf is like, I've seen this movie before, you know, I don't feel like I'm getting anything then until I went and I, wa- I remember I was a bit annoyed even because I had some stuff to do, but I was like, you know what, man, I gave myself this job. Let me go do this. <laughs> <laughs> I sit down, I watch the movie and man, like it didn't even take 15 minutes. I was like okay 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 and then i watched it i finished it and i was blown away after that i didn't record the review i have no idea why i didn't record that but i spoke about it forever and i found out that when i saw the credits at the end i'm like oh my god it's a black woman who directed this i obsessed over her not obsessed obsessed but like yeah. i tried to find i was like oh she she was on twitter i followed her I told her her film was amazing this is at a time i think she had like a hundred followers no simple to me yeah who is the director of blood and, blood and water blood for and those water. of you who do not know yes yes um and yeah she she was like very kind um and yeah she she we've been following each other since her movie came out basically a drug dealer so they he won't take it, but they do make the gangsters. Horses quiet with slaughter. Go in the Why drugs to verkoop in the loansaakse kroners must see a number niemand. I had more geld nodig, Lester. I had to say, all the parade from you, but all the deal in blood. So had to know what was happening. It was something I was not expecting. I expected something else. Also just that a black woman did that and did it so perfectly. Yeah, so at the moment, that one. But if you ask me for like a top three, I'd say it's that one, Knuckle City. I want to say maybe Mayfair. I don't know whether you've seen Mayfair. That is one of the films that when the when it came out, for some strange reason, I wasn't able to see it. But the trailer of it, I know it's currently available on Showmax. So yeah. I'm probably, by the time this comes out, I'll have watched it. But I know... From, from the trailer and from everything I saw surrounding it, it looked like it was a good film. So I am going to make time to watch it. I have not watched it out of the three. But Normal 37, what I really enjoyed about Normal 37 was it's a South African adaptation of a Hitchcock film called Rear Window. Yes, yes. I'd watched Rear Window. I'm trying to remember if I watched it in Varsity or if I watched it because I was doing like research for a film and Rear Window popped up as one of the references but when i watched rear window then i watched this and i was like oh you're really going for rear window also on top of that they really adapted it in a way that still felt 
very South African. Mm. So I didn't feel like I was getting necessarily a frame by frame yeah. of Rear Window. Yeah. And that would have still been fine because Rear Window came out in like 1950, yeah. like 1959. I might be wrong. Yeah. It came out around then and I was like, oh, it's a nice to kind of see this, this, um, this adaptation. Now, Knuckle City, I did not enjoy it. Actually, I didn't love it as much as I love it, loved it now upon first viewing yeah. because it was so subversive. I went in having seen a, not necessarily the trailer, but I, I'd gotten sent a scene of it, which was very much a boxing scene. Mm. So I went in expecting a boxing, boxing movie. Uh... So when I went in <laughs> expecting a boxing movie, I was expecting like the general tropes of a boxing movie. So like when, when, when it diverted from that, I was like, this is not what I came yeah. to watch. And then I rewatched it again without thinking this is a this is a boxing film, and I was like, this is really a nice character study type yeah, of film in terms yeah. of taking what what you know about a boxing film, but also putting the reality of what a boxing film is because these guys do have do suffer brain injuries. These guys are toxic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're incredibly toxic, and it it doesn't shy away from that. And part of that, in my part, part of my initial viewing, I hated that about it. And then when I watched it again, I was like, "But this is real. Like yeah. we're we're these characters. Like it's one of the few films that I, one of the few South African films that I've I've had. I think that experience with where it's appreciated over time for me or upon second viewing because yeah. it wasn't what I went in going to watch, but that was my own bias." But I love Knuckle. Actually, I love everything uh, that I've watched thus far from Jamil. Jamil, yeah. Because uh, Stillborn came out on Netflix today. Visually, that 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 film is stunning. It feels like it's taken this. I, I almost feel like I'm watching Terminator Two. Um, yeah. and like Terminator Two is like a reference with it, like the way that the. Have you watched Stillborn? No, I haven't. Actually, you should actually. It's, yeah. it's, it's it's twenty. It's twenty four minutes long, so it's it's yeah. really not that long. It's in and out, and you can also kind of see the genesis of like some of the themes. That he that that might be coming out in like blood sums and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I I think that's very uh, it's very interesting to kind of just see that genesis. So now I want to understand from you. So what value do you think comes within commentary, and also what has that done for your career trajectory <clears throat> thus far? Because you said that you came in yourself yourself taught. So very much everything I'm guessing that you kind of gained from this is genesis from the channel. I'd say 50-50. Okay. Yeah. Some of it is, but then my the actual work, the filmmaking part of things, it's almost as if, weirdly, it's not linked, you know. Um, it's just a, it, relationships that I've just built and being on people's things. That's, that's the, the thing that I realized when I was teaching myself is because I don't have the network, I don't have the community that most people have when they go to film school, uh, I had to do everything myself. I had to learn everything myself. It's painful. It's annoying. It's a slow process. It helps you though in the long run because now you have like like a bag of skills. But also there's that thing where nobody trusts you. You know, nobody trusts you until you prove yourself, which is the case in most in, in anything. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's a bit more difficult when you come across you in a room fill, filled with professionals, and if they're not professionals, they're graduates. And you just like, I just shoot stuff, you know, like, and they're like, mm, you know. Look, uh, as a, as a someone who graduated, uh, <laughs> with a film degree. Yeah. Walking onto set the first time, actually not just the, the first three months, 
nothing about my degree prepared me for sex. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's what you you realize that when you're there, right? Yeah, yeah. But so that's the thing is, in any case, that judgment is gonna be there unless someone has seen what you've done or they've actually worked with you. Yeah. So I just tried doing that. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna be there for anybody and everybody who needs me. Um, because when I was starting out, I'm still even starting out, but I needed a lot of people. I needed someone to, you know, sometimes you don't even need people to help you do something. You just need moral support. Yeah. And I did get that. I mean, from a girlfriend, I got like mad moral support, but sometimes in the field, actually being there, um, I remember my, one of the first big things I ever directed is I, I brought, um, Kelly, I don't know whether you know him, is Kyoto Indie. He did the graphics for my YouTube channel. Yeah. I didn't necessarily need him on a technical support level, um, but because I was going to shoot with people I'd never shot with before, something I'd never done, I was stepping out of my comfort zone. I just needed him there because he's, I've worked with him. I know he trusts me. I trust him. And should I need him on a technical level, I know I have someone to fall back on. But I just needed to a familiar face, you know, to to feel safe, to know that, okay, I can do this. I can pull this off and remind myself who I am. Because sometimes you, it's easy to get lost in the sea of doubt, dog, when you're there. And you're like, I know this, but you you like... Especially in this industry. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that doubt thing, uh, it's not just the doubt. It's just also the nature of how industry is built. It's quite exploitative. So even when... You do produce good work. Sometimes you don't even realize you're producing good work because the the intention of it sometimes people just make you doubt everything that you do. Exactly. So exactly. if you don't have a good, if you haven't kind of built a healthy team, and by healthy team I do mean people who you can then lean on, but at the same time who can hold you accountable, it then becomes very easy to kind of just, I don't say lose your way, but yeah. not find a, a solid footing within what it is that you want to do or how it is that you want to establish yourself, whether that be as a writer, whether that be as a director or continuity person, whatever whatever vocation and or job it is that you want to pursue. On that note, I think that's also kind of something which I've been very fascinated about you with your channel in that we have two very different approaches when yeah. it comes to writing breakdowns. Yeah. And because I believe both of us have both reviewed Queen Sono and Blood and Water, and you genuinely pick up on things which I don't. I I just genuinely don't. (laughs) Because you're like, because you're like, the grading of this was like dead. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I didn't, that didn't bother me that much. But I'm like, okay, but I, I appreciate that because. I then also that's what I, that's what I enjoy specifically about commentary yeah. um, is that it allows me a completely different perspective and outside of just you I think another person who I enjoy their commentary on is Misa Narrates who has this series where she breaks down music videos yeah. and when she breaks down music videos she focuses on fashion she focuses on a lot of things and yeah. she has a pet yeah. peeve of she's now called it the Kardashian filter yeah. which is where you put the it's where you've got the cell phone filter on where you can actually. Where it feels yeah. like it's a cell phone. If, yeah. She hates <laughs> any music video that has that. Yeah. So even now when I watch a music video and that pops up, it, I, it, I don't necessarily hate it, but, you but know I know <laughs> if, Misa, if Misa is going to talk about this video, that is going to be the first thing that she's going to talk about. And that's kind of one of the things which I enjoy specifically about commentary is that it allows you to have you to if there's things which you didn't notice about something within film or yeah. within a project it then allows you to notice that thing. 
So I want to know from you what it is that you kind of, what is the value in commentary and critique for you? And where do you think the space within South Africa currently is around that? So if you even go on the bio of the channel and what the channel really is about, and like I told you earlier on, I was like getting people interested. But I have a sales background. So before I went fully into film, my jobs have been very much sales related, commercial banking, stuff like that. Uh-huh. So it's trying to ask yourself, how can you sell to someone? How do you get someone interested in wanting to spend money they woke up not intending to spend on your thing? I've realized the most consistent thing. And even when you study sales, you're taught that you have to get someone excited about your thing. So you get them excited. But then you have to also educate them. The more you educate them, as much as that, it's not really fun and it takes a lot of time and some people are not interested in it. But the more you know about something, the easier it becomes for you to appreciate. That's why some someone may say, oh, I personally don't like this film, but I get it. I, yeah. I, I, I'm I not saying it's not a bad film. It's not my type of film, but I get it. Yeah. And I appreciate it because... They understand what it's about, what it represents, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe why it was made because they look beyond just they, just enjoyment, you know, because most people say, I don't like this one because I didn't enjoy it. And that's valid. That's 100% valid. It is entertainment. Yeah. So what I try to implement in the channel is that, okay, fine. We are at a teething stage as an industry, especially the South African film industry, where it's most films are hit or miss, hit or miss. Some films would be great, exceedingly great. Some films would be, eh, you know, but a lot of films are like really bad. And there's a multitude of reasons why that is. But where I'm going is it's easy for most people to say South African films suck. Which is, not su- true. which is absolutely not true. And at some point, maybe 10 years ago, I was of the same notion too because I wasn't actively consuming South African cinema. I was like, well, we're not really good at making movies here in South Africa. Every once in a while you get a good movie, but we're not really good. We're not. But then it's pointless to just keep on saying South African films suck. This is something that's even echoed by actual filmmakers within the industry. Yeah. They genuinely believe South African films suck, which is why even filmmakers in the industry don't go out and watch South African films. Which for me kind of defeats the purpose because sometimes I find there are filmmakers who say South African films suck and they haven't watched the films which they believe suck. And I'm like, how do you know? Every single time. How do you know it sucks if you haven't watched it? Exactly. We now live in a great era of, I'm retracting the word great, an interesting era of social media in terms of where gotten to a point where everyone does have a valid voice yeah and if there's already a perception of something that perception is what then lives so we have to then fight that perception before even getting onto it and what i found very interesting within lockdown is that mzanti magic started doing local film sundays yeah and a lot of the films that they did on local film sundays i remember when they came out on cinema and people were trashing the films that they had right. not watched. Right. And I'm like, but have you watched? Cause there, I won't lie. There, there are films which I've, which I've watched and I, I will still tell people to go watch and I'll give them what my reservations are about it. But those are my reservations. Yeah. I want you to go watch it. But what I found very, very interesting is a lot of the films which people were trashing, having not watched, when they were when they were on Zanzi Magic and people were now watching them on Sunday night, everyone was talking about, oh shit, how interesting or diverse South African films are. Mm-hmm. And there's still sections of it, the public discourse that believe that South African films are struggle for well, black South African films are still struggle films. And I'm like, we come out with the struggle film probably once. Thank you. Of the twenty films or twenty five films that come out every year, 
at least maybe three of the 25 are struggle films. And the others, you'll find horror films. You Actually, we're now doing horror films. Yeah. you find horrors, thrillers, coming comedy. Of films, coming like of Comedy. Yeah. yeah. So the diversity has changed, but also because our marketing, and the marketing isn't necessarily saying that South African films don't market. They don't have as many places to market. Yeah. Which I think is something which we also don't talk about a lot because yeah. you say American films, you know about them, but you know about an American film. You know about Black Panther because Black Panther will tell you when it's announced and where it's announced, you're able to get that news. Yeah. Whereas where, where do you as a South African film outside of a radio slot? What are the actual platforms? Because you have a platform now, which is how Matoto is able to come yeah. and, and do an interview for you. But yeah. in terms of actual spaces that are not of the filmmakers making, yeah. where do you then go find that information? Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of where we kind of lack more so in terms of saying that South African films don't market. Where are they marketing you guys? Like where? <laughs> so you see, so that's the thing is my entire thing was to change perception. That's why, that's why I said earlier on, I hate my Dogolosha review because even though when you really do listen and you go beyond the outrage, there, there are some valid points that I do make, but then they're veiled by outrage and ultimately not too constructive. Yeah. So that's why I hate that because I created the channel to be like, I want to, even if I'm saying your film is bad, you have to understand why I think your film is bad and the audience has to understand why I think your film is bad and what could have been done. It's not bad and that's it. That's the end of the world. Because I'm a fan, I'm a fan first, I'll always be a fan first, and then now I'm a filmmaker, I would like to bring both to the table. Yeah. Because now there are these frustrations that I've had since as a child, but I never had the vocab to express them until I became a filmmaker. And I was like, oh, that's what that's called. That's what I don't like. That's what they, you know, these things where now I know, I understand why this looks like this, this looks because someone didn't do their job well here for whatever reason, budget, whatever. But budget I was like, is usually a lot of the reasons. Budget is usually. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, this information, because it's not exclusive information. It's only exclusive because people don't talk about it and people don't talk about it for reasons that exceed me so i was like i want to speak about these things to educate the audience because the best way to back to sales the best way to retain your client is not necessarily just pillaging them and and and, and just you know getting the most you can out of them and trying to con them it's usually just telling them how this being as transparent as possible believe it or not as much as it's very business driven sales is also very emotional getting a person to buy something you ha- kind of have to quote-unquote play on the emotions and it focuses on the human part of things and that being in order to get someone interested and invested in something you're selling them you have to teach them about it you have to talk to them about it obviously you have to highlight what you think are the best features and benefits of that thing but you also have to reel them in and keep them emotionally invested and have them be able to because value is a subjective thing you have to be able to um, make them be able to assess value of your product that way they can't be poached or it may be very difficult for for anyone else to post them there's more value in that right because you understand exactly how does this thing work for me that way if a competitor comes through and is like yo here's what i'm offering you like no i'm fine i don't need that because i have this but you get what i'm saying yeah but that's through education that's why it's very important that's why the best companies educate their clients they educate their clients even on not taking debt but then they still have the most credit clients and you're like wait so you guys are discouraging people to take out loans, but then you still have... It's like, no, because they're trying to be transparent. Not that companies care about you, by the way. They care about the bottom line. This is just a pretty moralistic way of them in a roundabout way getting to a point where they still get your money. 
but while also still being honest is they tell you if you want to loan here's how you should manage your money this is what you should do they know ultimately the more you know the better you use their products and the more you it'll be more difficult to convince you to leave them yeah. and go elsewhere and so bring this back to my channel and just South African cinema in general is I'm a fan first and I'm a filmmaker and I try to approach my reviews in that manner where I'll talk about the film even losing Lerato I literally specify that I'm going to speak about this review from a filmmaker's perspective and explain to you guys why this film is important because it is an important film I really enjoy that one yeah I'm going to speak from a filmmaker's perspective or rather what it is it's one of the first few films if not the first film to actually where the producer is paying royalties to the actors I saw that I saw that as announcement and I was quite shocked it's shocking it is shocking if that assertion is in fact true yeah. That was the first. Huh, that that's that's that that's a very it's grim troubling. picture. It's, it's, a, very, it's a very yeah. grim picture that it that it paints about yeah. our about our industry, specifically about um, residuals within our industry. Exactly. So that's another thing. That's a conversation I I wish to have in the future, and hopefully even with you, how getting the audience to understand what we do as something that is actually very much serious, because they consume it on their end as escapism and entertainment. The serious part of it is lost. Yeah. I had mentioned earlier on that filmmaking is a very, very, and it is a very difficult thing to do. It's an impossible thing to do, as a matter of fact. So I say this to say, Wuti, the more people know, the more they learn to appreciate. The more they appreciate, the better chance there is in them consuming that thing. Because now they don't have to consume just purely based on enjoyment. They understand what my action, how does it play into the greater scheme of things? You know, if a movie's suffering, apart from just saying, go support, why must I support South African cinemas? And why must I specifically try to get there at opening weekend? What is opening? You know, things like these. These are still conversations I want to have on the channel so that someone understands that it helps for you to go opening weekend because chances are in any movie that's ever come out except for maybe like Avatar, the opening weekend is the most a movie, best movie will ever perform. After that, it just goes down. Now, some movies fortunately make hundreds of millions at the box office. So even if it goes down, it's not really a big deal. They still got to make money for a very long while. But for South African films, if you make 4,000 this weekend, doesn't matter. You're just going down from there. You're making 3,000 next weekend, 2,000, and then one week later, you're out of the cinema. And, you know, so these are things that can make, help people understand. Filmmakers come on Twitter, they come on social media platforms. They're like, we couldn't get our movie at Stokinico at this place. Stokinico doesn't want it. It's like, yeah, that's sad. That's painful. I'm sure there's some racism in that, yes. But also from just a financial perspective, it doesn't help Stokinico to have your movie in Bedford View, where chances are nobody's going to watch Madrid in Bedford View, you know, because of just how movies have been performing. So at the end of the day, they're business. They're not just human beings. They're business and they care about that. So the best thing you can do is try and mobilize the audience and get people interested because those are the people buying at the end of the day. Yeah. Get those people interested in spending and seeing value And that's where value then comes in because now it's not just about do I like South African films or not. It's about I understand what's going on. I get this. I know what's happening. Oh, this is that. And that's the information I'm trying to impart as I learn it also, trying to impart on the channel where someone is like, let me go watch a film and see if I can't see things of my own opinions of my own so I can go argue with Nana on Twitter or whatever, right? And they now understand it. For Even if they didn't like the film, they have a better vocabulary of expressing their frustration with the films. Like, I didn't like a film because blah, blah, blah. Oh, a, B, C, D, A, B. You know, as opposed to just saying, ah, South African films suck generally. Or, or that film is trash. And you're like, even as a filmmaker, what do I do with this film is trash? Exactly. 
how do i how do i then be like okay so it's trash okay cool so (laughs) my next one how do i not make it trash exactly are you a telco mobile user if so Enraptured Odyssey has teamed up with other independent filmmakers to create the channel Mzansi TV, available on the new service Telcom Plus. Mzansi TV is an online channel curated with web series, short films and comedy series independently produced by some of the most trailblazing youth here in Mzansi. For only 3 rand subscription per day, you get full access to all the content on Mzansi TV. The channel is available to Telcom Mobile and Telcom Data subscribers. To make a film, or to actually, not just a film, a television series, sure, yeah. anything which you're seeing, which is capturing a fictional narrative, or even a documentary, but let's just stick to fiction narratives, yeah. or even animations, yeah. requires not just the creative entities involved, but it feeds off of other industries, including construction, including law all of these other industries which is why you find countries which have established film industries where the film making of it is given its due and its its rightful i shouldn't say it's it's rightful because that that would then presume that other countries don't give it its rightful due but where filmmaking is 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 treated as a full-on business yeah you'll find that those countries also have the 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 reverberating industries are also affected and are positively affected by it because filmmaking is advertising as a medium by itself yeah all you have to do is actually just look at almost any big film or even like comic films the the joker i believe the place where he walks down the stairs a very famous yeah yeah it but it wasn't before because it was from a very walked um it was from a very unknown neighborhood yeah people are now complaining that people kept coming Coming there there just to walk (laughs) down those specific stairs and people came from all around the world to walk down the stairs but also if people are coming from all around the world to walk down the stairs that means that people are buying tickets Tickets. people are buying food from that specific area but that's an offshoot of really what's already happened from the film not even talking about what's happening within the filmmaking because within the filmmaking it's still accommodation you you, (laughs) there's so much that happens so much that happens into the making of the film and to and to give just even a basic basic line understanding of it just watch even south african credits south african credits are about half as long as american credits but look at the amount of names that appear there i like that you mentioned that i could say my first okay not my first interaction with film but something that added to my fascination with film and probably even is one of the the results of me being a filmmaker now is is as a result of that my father was a huge fan of i think as is with most fathers westerns and hong kong cinema and i don't know whether your father was my dad actually does like westerns but not necessarily hong kong cinema i wonder why that is though (laughs) because him and john wayne are best buddies My, my father clint eastwood oh my god but so one thing my father would always do though apart from just when we're watching the film, the commentary, anything, because he's not a filmmaker. He's not too privy of that. He'd just enjoy the film. But at the end, almost every movie we've ever watched together, he'd always say, do you see all these names? I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's how many people it took to make this movie. And at first, the first time, he probably first few times he said this, it wasn't a big deal. Until the old I was like, it really takes that many people to make this two-hour movie I just watched? And and then it got more serious when I started practicing. And you like, it really does take that many people. And the reason why I even say that is because, um, like I said, the audience don't understand the seriousness. I-, I focus on the difficulty, right? Because the money is clearly, obviously there. 
But I focus on the difficulty because people usually only start taking a job seriously once they realize how difficult it is. And if you've ever tried to make anything filmmaking related, you know how exceedingly difficult it is, let alone feature films and TV shows. You're practically doing the impossible, believe it or not. And for me, I believe that that lack of taking it seriously is that's one of the reasons, right? The audience is not aware. It's not fully the audience's fault. And behind the scenes, for example, are one of the most easiest ways and in EPS are one of the most easiest ways to talk about what you're doing. The more you talk about it, we only revere being a doctor so much because we understand how difficult it is and how close to impossible it is to, for example, revive a person who is dying. You understand that that's not something anybody can do. It's only something God can do if you believe in God. So if someone is able to pull that off, being a doctor must be a really big fucking deal because it's very difficult. Yeah. Because of that, we don't share South Africans specifically right now I'm speaking of. South Africans don't share, South African filmmakers at that hardly share the reality of what it takes to make these shows and movies. And how difficult it actually is. Not to make the audience feel bad, no. Just to show the audience that this is a real thing. And in this specific case, at this specific moment, a lot of the responsibilities falls with the filmmakers and the powers that be to share that information. There's many ways to share that information. Whether it's, like you said, people like us dissecting the films, talking about the films, film culture in South Africa. And a few years ago, I want to say two years ago, a year and a half ago, Linda Lucid at Lucid underscore Unicorn. He once wrote an article about a movement in South African cinema where he was focusing more on the Egasiao stories, luxury bioscope types of films, and he spotted a trend. And this is something that hasn't been really done in South Africa where someone approaches film criticism from that perspective rather where you're able to identify what you can coin a movement doesn't necessarily mean that filmmakers were intentional about the movement and that's basically how it usually happens. But you can notice that we're at a time where our films and our literature skew more towards these themes and this type of filmmaking and this type of storytelling. And for me, his article, you can I think you can find it on Tiny Couch Review. It's a very important article because it puts a lot of information in one place and it educates a lot and it helps anybody who's willing to read it or consume it to understand what is happening. Because right now we're going through the age of Amapiano, for example. As much as it's the audience reacting to Amapiano, there are people of the time who speak, the tastemakers of the time, who speak upon those times and notice certain things that the general audience isn't consciously doing. But that's what's happening. That's the zeitgeist. That's that's the moment we are living in and experiencing. And that's why commentary is, is, is important. Because when you look back years ago, you realize, yes, there, there were trends. There were times. But it's there, there's not documentation of those things. Yeah. It's even difficult to find a copy of one of my favorite films of all time, by the way, Hijack Stories. A good copy of Hijack Stories is close to non-existent. non-existent. You get what I'm saying? One of my biggest frustrations when I started with the channel was I couldn't get those films legally. I'm speaking legally. I couldn't get them even if I tried to pirate them, but not even legally. Even when I hit up the distribution companies, I'm like, can I have a copy of such a film? They're like, yo. They're like, what are you talking about? Yeah, they're like, yo. So whether it's it's preservation of, of the culture for people who are to come after us, whether it's a year from now or decades from now, people are to come after us to be able to look back on something and be able to easily access that. 
Yeah. Right. And have it safely preserved in whatever format that is is the best for preserving that thing. One of the ways that happens is through commentary. I believe it's one of the main ways because my understanding of Hollywood culture comes from film commentary and people documenting these things. Yeah. And I remember one of the main reasons why I started this and also yeah. my own publication, Next Gen Greats. Yeah. Was at this at the time? It's actually twofold. There's a selfish reason, and there's also a non-selfish reason. Standard, <laughs> standard. <laughs> but the non-selfish reason was at the time. I genuinely, my my goal is within the next ten years to make a film that I know can debut exactly. at number one. Thank but you. at the same time, when I wanted to do that, I realized um, even even before I even get to that, even getting into this industry with a degree. Exactly. Having finished my degree, yeah. I felt like I knew very little about this industry. And not just uh-huh. about the industry, about the scope of the work that existed. I had assumptions about the South African industry, which then when I did this blog and I then started to watch South African films and started to then dissect them, I realized a lot of my assumptions were misplaced. Yeah. And then I had then the new assumptions that were coming because there were not enough places talking about South African films or even just African films in general. Exactly. And one of my biggest gripes that I have Actually, I've got a question for you. Yeah. Have you watched an African film, non-South African, on a public platform? Public platform being the cinema? No, public platform being, sorry, um, like on television. On television. Actually, even cinema, and if it's cinema, still can, like one of the main cinemas. No. I want to say no, because I remember even one of the films I really wanted to watch when it came out was Rafiq. I think Rafiki was on cinema here for like two, two, three weeks. That, 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 that's that's where I'm going. But by the time it got here, I had to wait for it for quite a while. Um, and I remember I got to see it at a screening. But like I said, I had to I had to wait for it for quite a while. But apart from Rafiki, I can't. Have you seen one on like one of the main broadcasts and something like ACBC One Two Three ETV? Absolutely not. So how we then? So within your general understanding as a normal functioning, let's not say you're within the film industry. Yeah. How do you know what the state of African cinema is? Oh, you don't. So that's so, so, so a lot of these. <laughs> you don't, you, you don't, honestly. If, if, oh, or are you asking me? Yeah. How do you, how, how, how would you know about the state? I would, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't if if I if I wasn't doing what I chose like I gave myself this duty to do I wouldn't know about more like 90% of the films I know about right now in my opinion yes in my opinion I wouldn't know about the films that I know about right now I I'm I only know about them and make the conscious effort to even share this information with a lot of people because I I want to say quote unquote it's not really going out of your way but I quote unquote go out of my way for the for the average South African, I go out of my way to find out films that are upcoming before they even come out. Sometimes I don't get all of them. By the way, sometimes I find out films. Look, I I won't <laughs> I won't lie. Uh, so because I also do the same thing because I I go on like Netflix's pages and all these different pages to see yeah. what's upcoming. Somehow Santana completely missed me up until it actually came on. I was not even in the province and. It was, they were like, this movie called Santana. I'm like, what? Like, what? what movie? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, that's why there's no review of Santana on my, my channel. Because I found out about a, 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 a guy from, from, from KZN that I'm friends with. He literally hit me up and was like, yo, I need you to review this movie. Because he had his own opinions about it. I was like, what are you even 
talking about drugs like what's happening yeah <laughs> and 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 it's only then it was it was a sunday I think maybe it came out on Friday. Yeah, it came out on because I remember it, it started trending and I was like, "What is this?" And this is like, it was only Sunday. Then I saw it was a film and I was like, <laughs> "I felt I felt hurt personally because I'm like I actively go searching. It's it's for the, it's not a nice experience when you're like I go out of my way to find this. <laughs> How did I miss? So if you missed it as well, then that's 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 very weird because Santana for me came out of nowhere and like when those when those things happen, I'm just like. <laughs> I tell you, dog. I only found out about Sunday. Sunday, it was because I had to, maybe it was around three in the afternoon. Yeah. I found out there's a movie called Santa, and I'm like, huh? When has it always been there? Because if it's always been there, then fine. But and they're like, nah, no, no, like it just came up, like, ah. and it's trending, and you're like, <laughs> but I go out of my way. But yeah, so so these are things like I said in sales, you only are able to get someone. And value, value is an, is is a very subjective thing. Here's a simple example: South Africa is known very much for being a very alcoholic country. By that I mean, yes, we are functioning alcoholics, like, and it's a country that, but also mostly gets together when alcohol is involved. But that's also because we're the one of the most alcoholically diverse countries in terms of we're able to grow wine here as well as beer as well as the, the amount of Definitely. stuff that we're able to actually produce here yeah no 100% we're spoiled for yeah. choice yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> so and here's what I'm saying I'm not saying that in, an, in a negative light it's just a fact uh, yeah, yeah it's just a fact I'm, I'm, and here's where I'm going with that because I've spoken with a few people about this where we speak about why don't South Africans go out to watch movies when they come up blah 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 and usually the first thing is money which is a valid but not 100% true point yes money is a factor and tickets movie tickets are expensive but if you're intentional about it you can watch a movie for 40 rands 40 rands is not a lot of money to watch one movie at the cinema just, you just won't do it on the weekend you'll do it on the tuesday you have to yeah yeah i'm saying that's what i'm saying if you're intentional <laughs> about it you have to know that half price tuesday is on tuesday blah 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 and then 40 rands you can watch a movie but then you also have to consider that most people don't live close to cinemas blah that's another reason and then you also have to consider that well like i said most people are not intentional and most people are at work during till tuesday who's gonna go to, on tuesday to go watch a movie so it's probably they're gonna have to catch it on the weekend and then this is where the alcoholic part comes in is south africans are very alcoholic and we spend most of our saturdays and sundays doing what drinking that's where the contradictory part of the thing comes in is like well alcohol costs quite a lot yeah if we're being honest a Specific, bottle of if, alcohol, if you're doing hot tack if, yeah. if, if hot tack is your is your shandies because <laughs> copying up a bottle of gin is like As a full a, 250 it's way more than a, a movie ticket actually yeah. and like the most it's it's more expensive than the most expensive movie ticket which is like cinema prestige or some some stuff like that. south africans do have money to spend on recreational activities that being drinking alcohol going up blah 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 blah, blah including watching movies However, this is where the value part comes in. They don't see the value in watching a movie at the theater as opposed to on their laptop or whenever a movie comes up. Why don't they see the value? Because they don't care. Why don't they care? Because they're not invested, because they don't have the knowledge, because they don't speak about these things. And the filmmakers themselves don't speak or share the knowledge, etc., etc., etc. There are a lot of things right now in your life that you probably only started caring about after your 20s that you could not be bothered... Take politics, for example. 
I used to never care about politics. I still don't care that much. I'm trying my hardest to not. But, but now that it's affecting but, me directly. But, but you're, not, you're not able to not care about politics. <laughs> you see, the older you grow, you kind of sort of just like have to care about politics because it now starts affecting you directly. Well, politics, it's always affected you, but now you know exactly. Now you know exactly how, how it does affected. exactly, you know. So, and why? Because you're exposed to it. You're at a point in your life where you're now exposed to that and it's it's affecting you directly. So you have more knowledge of how it's affecting you, yada, yada, and, and so forth. And it's practically the same thing. It's the same thing with films. It's the same thing with anything you consume. If you don't inherently like just like something because you've been exposed to people, South Africans like music so much because we're a very musical country. Almost every household, no matter how broke you are, is music. Films, unfortunately, are not necessarily like that. So you kind of have to go out of your way to consume stuff like that. So this is what I'm saying. The information. Filmmakers, whether it's up-and-coming filmmakers, indie filmmakers, studio filmmakers, we don't have any of those, by the way. If you are creating anything and you're operating anywhere within the filmmaking industry, speak about your work. Even if you don't directly speak, share other content that is not just the trailer and the movie itself or the piece of content itself. Share behind the scenes footage. Share stories that happened, interesting stories. For example, I, I used to shoot, I, I not used to, I still shoot role models on the Anacadium channel. I almost have a story for each and every episode. That has nothing to do with the episode itself. Just things that transpired before we actually watched the episode. Before or after. Um, I say this to say, there's always something around something you're doing. Today, we lost a recording. That's something I can speak about. And it hurts so much. (laughs) (laughs) But, (laughs) yeah. That's something you can speak about that costs zero rands in most cases. You understand? You know what I'm saying? But also, to kind of counter, you you can say that and some some films can do that but if you're speaking but at the same time we also have to acknowledge that even them speaking about it if they're speaking about it they they do have this information yeah if they don't have other platforms to cross-pollinate then they're speaking essentially to the same people who would have been watching their films anyway because those are the people who would be supporting them and they're already kind of financially invested which is where um, in terms of a marketing perspective, when people say that sometimes South African films don't market well, I also believe that South African films don't necessarily have enough places to cross-pollinate market in terms of, like, for example, I know I, I watch a lot of um, YouTube content. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm very much a YouTube person. One of yeah. my favorite shows is, what's the Hotwings show called? Uh, first we feast hot ones hot ones hot yeah. ones is one of my favorite shows hot yeah. ones every single episode is selling you something yeah the guest who's coming exactly. onto that show mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, is yeah. coming onto that show because a they have a book coming out they have a film coming out yeah, they have a, album, whatever. whatever it is yeah. wild and art is the exact same thing you have all of these different spaces where you're able even to, the, sorry, the late night talk shows. Yes. The guests are coming to sell you something. All of them are coming to sell you something. So I think as much as you are saying that, it then becomes a lot more important for not just spaces like this, but other spaces which are centered around fun conversations, not even conversations centered around the form, but conversations centered around getting people aware about the personalities or the people surrounding them. This season's interviews were primarily recorded remotely via Zoom during September and October 2020. The African Film Podcast is produced by Enraptured Odyssey, a media company based in Alberton, South Africa. 
To find out more on African Film and Enraptured Odyssey, you can go to their website, enraptured.africa, and you can also follow their social pages at African Film, that's A-F-R-I-Q-U-A-N, Film, on social media sites for more fun film facts. So now, what I want to understand from you, then, is where do you think, not just commentary, but where do you think we go next? Because right now, we're at a very interesting time in that it looks like the next three or so years are going to be prime African content in terms of just the scale of products, not the volume, because COVID has uh, shifted a lot of things. But (laughs) the stuff which is still coming out that we know is coming out is actually of, of, of a scale that we're not necessarily used to done by Africans by Africans. So with all of that in mind, where do we go next to make sure that this time that's coming, because it's so important, the time that's coming is so important that we're able to maximize it and make sure that it's not necessarily an error that we can say that, okay, this is something that that happened that we can say, oh, there was the the 2018 to 2022 um, uh, era of South African film or African film, I think, was just popping off, but more so that this was the start to then make sure that this is something that becomes a lot more sustainable because if if there's attention now, a lot of this is external attention, External attention goes. Yeah. But you can still take whatever that is and then make sure that it sustains until the next wave because yeah. yeah. Um so this this is this is where I was even speaking earlier on about the whole um um creating a culture of appreciation. Because if you do that earlier on I'd explain that that's how companies go out of their ways to try and retain their clients. They don't retain their clients when their clients try to leave now. They try to retain you right now by giving you as many of the benefits of the features they're giving you. So these are the features we're giving you, but here are the benefits and here's why it's best for you, right? Yeah. That's by educating the client. And basically what we're doing right now, I'd say more of that. When I started out, or at least within my scope, I was the only person or one of the few people who was doing what I was doing. It gives me happiness and joy right now to figure, especially after COVID, to realize that there are a lot of other film reviewers who are speaking about, for most of them, it's not just South African films, it's just films in general. But I, I love that. Number one, for selfish reasons, because I don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't feel compelled that you have yeah, to it's not just, write about this specific yeah, film, even yeah, though you may not like, like it, it. Exactly. But now you still have to feel like you're compelled to exactly, talk about it. Exactly, because my, my biggest uh, frustration at the time was, I wish someone before me did this so I, we didn't have to do it. You get what I'm saying? If, if, if film critics before us did what we're doing right now and i'm sure some of them did within their own capacity and filmmakers before us did what we're talking about right now we would not have to it's almost like the generational wealth conversation if your parents did all they could do to make sure that you're financially well off by the time you come into earth and by the time they leave you know you don't have to worry about creating new money you just have to worry about sustaining old money and if that same thing using that analogy was done 
for us filmmakers and film audiences. If this culture that we're trying to create right now was created before I even figured out that I want to be a filmmaker, guess what? I wasn't going to have to worry about creating a culture. I was just going to go out there and make my movie and put it in theaters and know that at the very least, it will break even. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. But there's a culture. There are people going to, because the people who came before me did what they had to do, right? In whatever manner they could. And I'm not pointing fingers or blaming anyone. I'm just saying that's kind of, to answer your question, that's kind of what needs to be done now so that the people who come after us don't have to start from scratch. So that you don't have to, 20 years from now, be like, I should have done this 20 years ago, etc., etc. What already is being done, more of that from our side, right? From our side as, I don't want to call us aspiring filmmakers because I'm, I'm past the, the point of aspiring. Um, <laughs> and I think you also past that point. But like as up and coming filmmakers, that's what we can do that's why i even you was talking about how our styles of reviewing and or rather breaking down or critiquing films is different that's why i use that approach of i always play on the fan fan of film but also filmmaker side it's like i'm a fan of film and as a fan of film blah but also here's what you must know by the time you leave my video if you did watch it all the way to the end you kind of leave with even if it's one percent more knowledge than you had before you came onto the video whether it's with regards to writing cinematography or whatever things that as the general audience you honestly wouldn't give a shit about but now you're starting to because i don't necessarily just want i don't want us to just have film audiences who want to go watch our films but i also do really believe that we need better filmmakers in general a new generation of better filmmakers in general and I know maybe that might be controversial or not. Yeah, I, I, I think it's more necessarily, I don't want to say better filmmakers, but a system that has more or infrastructure. Yeah. Infrastructure and a larger sample. Right? Yes. A larger sample. We do, we do have good filmmakers, but we need a larger, more consistent, more intentional sample. Because what's currently happening right now is that thing where scarcity if not scarcity, like, you know, where you end up having to make a movie because you came into the game wanting to make feature films, but you ended up doing commercials instead or whatever because that's the only way you could feed yourself. Now you make movies once every five years. I don't want that. I don't want that for myself. I don't want that for anyone coming after me. I would like for people to be able to eat off of just cinematic films, films that are rather made for the cinematic experience because that doesn't exist television people except for the actors and except for a few things here and there and the corruption going on they're fine they <laughs> the industry is alive and well you know the money is there to even corrupt in the first place in film that's not the case you know, and that's why I, even on my channel, I talk about TV shows, but I prioritize films more because th that industry is practically non-existent. But then again, this is because I value the cinematic experience. Yeah. I value movies. Not that I value them more than TV shows, but I kind of it's do. It's okay if you do. Yeah, it's okay if I yeah, do. Everyone <laughs> has their formats. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So I just feel like more intention in what we're currently doing and more of. Like, I don't want to be the only guy reviewing South African films. Honestly. Okay, so you, you, you've spoken about the fact that you've seen a lot more of these types of people coming in during lockdown. Yeah. So if people are looking for others, which are some of the others that you would be recommending? I know there's a guy called Eddie Ramotale. 
he's also an aspiring filmmaker. I don't know when he started his journey of trying to become, but he had a channel. He was just doing vlogs and lifestyle vlogs, and then he rebranded during lockdown into doing South African and cinematography related content. I know there's, I think it's Dintle Molitsane. Yeah, I think she also started her channel during lockdown. I do not know that one. So that's another one for me. I, I only found out about her when she commented on one of my reviews when I started posting. Again. Yeah, when I started posting again. And I clicked on her and I was like, oh, you also do movie stuff. And then I subscribed to her channel. Yeah, but she she's not strictly South African film. She just reviews whatever she feels like reviewing. I think international stuff too. And I think Eddie too. So, so for, oh, and then there's also, oh my God, how could I forget? He is not as consistent, I think, anymore. A real source, but the real is in the re- film reel. The film reel, yes, a real source on YouTube. But he is a, uh, I, I think, is a Zimbabwean film critic, uh, South African based though. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? I would say one of the one of our future guests behind her lens. Uh, behind her lens, oh my god, how could I forget? I actually, oh my god, she's amazing. Mbali, Mbali, yeah, Mbali, Mashaba. Thank, thank you for bringing her up. She's doing something. When she did it, I was like, oh my god, fantastic! The the streaming platform that she created for promoting for promoting South African cinema, literature, TV, and 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 whatnot. She actually has one of my reviews. Actually, lives on her channel on her platform, her streaming platform, right? now yeah and we need more of that we need more of the people who are going to use the 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 ideas and infrastructure they have to further the agenda of south african cinema and by cinema i'm talking about film and tv we need more people who are going to be more intentional about that you could be doing anything else in the world right now but you're sitting here with me at night recording this right you you could be doing anything else in the world but you took that once again this is a very selfless and thankless job could especially. be writing my next script <laughs> You could be writing your next script. And as much as that, that small selfishness that, well, you are, you know, um, um, sowing the seeds for your future. But you're not 100% certain it's going to happen. Because also most of the stuff that I do, actually 90% of the stuff that I talk about is not my stuff. Exactly. You see? So you're not 100% certain that what you're doing right now is going to directly benefit you in the future. It might not. Yeah. The industry might grow and you might release your film and it could bomb. Yeah. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? And, 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 and I'm preparing myself for you that. See, so and I want it, that. It would be very one. confusing because you'd be like, I mean, I, I, I did everything. I did everything. <laughs> but that's what, that's, that's, uh, that's what I think should be the direction. And and for people doing more written content and whatnot, I'd say please try segueing into more video content, mostly because people consume video content and read now. Am but I being also, shaded right now? <laughs> but also because it falls within line. You, you're a visual artist at the end of the day by mere fact of you being a filmmaker. And it just also just makes the barrier of consumption lower, or rather a bit lower than it otherwise would have been. However... Obviously, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of money also. So I understand it's not a very easy thing to just just do. Yeah. And some of us are better writers than we are speakers. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so yeah, it would be that. And But right now, if there's, if there's anyone listening to this, I hope it's both the audience and the filmmakers but I right now I want to take this, the moment to speak to the filmmakers and say, once again, I've said it before, I'm saying it again, please talk. 
about your work. Talk about it in any fashion you want to talk. Just talk about it. Not necessarily hype yourself up. That's not what I'm... You should, by the way. But I'm not just talking about that. But I'm talking just, just unpack talk about the experience i know um is the director of of happiness is a four letter word yeah he did a, a master class live on instagram i think it's still on his igtv right now how basically talking about blocking and directing the, the pilot episode for for gomorrah the first episode of gomorrah yeah and whatnot these are things that are free that i know most of you guys are busy and whatnot but try to figure out a way to talk because if you talk first of all it costs you nothing but then the returns, if you do it almost consistently, it benefits you directly at the end of the day because you're talking about your thing and more people are going to get interested in your thing. My reviews, my you know, my, my whole, not motto, but my whole thing is even if my review gets one person to go watch your movie, I've done my job. Yeah. I've done my job. That's the bare minimum that I'm, I'm fighting for. And I know at least each and every single one of my reviews that I've made have gotten at least one person interested in whatever movie it is that I was talking about. You can see it in the comments. Yeah, you can see it in the comments even. So, and that's, 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 that's better than zero. It'll always be better than zero. Cause like, once again, that person has their own people. They're probably not watching it alone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So in, in any case, if you speak about it, first of all, you eliminate my job of having to speak about your thing, <laughs> but um, you also help yourself and us and all of us, the community, the culture. You, you were literally building a culture. Because the reality of it, for being real, on my blog, I write about music. I write about South African and African music, web series, movies, a spectrum of things. Yeah. The thing that is least engaged, by and large, consistently is films. Yeah, yeah. And that's troubling for me because I, that's what I want to get into. Very. But also knowing that also means that that's what needs a lot more work in terms of engaging and getting people excited, if not at least excited, aware of it so that the next film or the next thing that I'm talking about has that a little bit more attention to it, which is why we're here doing hour-long <laughs> My first, my first individual podcast is a film <laughs> podcast when it's the thing that is the least yeah. engaged yeah. on my, <laughs> on my platform. Yeah. And that way, eventually, maybe I hope not less than five years from now, it probably won't be five years, but I hope five years from now, we'll do away with the whole conversation that South Africans don't watch movies because that's another thing. It becomes this vicious cycle. Because where... South African audiences, I also seen sometimes when, when that, arguments is thrown against them like why do we why do we need to watch them or exactly. we do watch exactly. them and you guys keep saying that we don't watch them. don't watch them exactly and that's a valid question why do we need to watch them your job as the filmmakers to answer that question by means that we've discussed in this podcast talk about your stuff show your stuff behind the scenes epks show up wherever you can do small promotions it probably won't cost you that much some i know it can but it probably won't cost you cost you that much to do small competitions on your twitter page or wherever where people win tickets to go see a movie with you with you just go watch movies with your audience it's money but it's not even that much money put it into your marketing budget if you can put it into your marketing strategy if you can but these are valid questions that the and you can't blame the audience if you on your side haven't done anything you can only do that because now you're reporting on something that that it's a false it's false if you say south african audiences don't watch movies yet black panther made so much bank keeping but up with the, yet again with that i know this part was deleted so i'm going to mention it again 
the fallacy that South Africans do not watch South African films is false in that like for like, genre for genre, South yes, Africans yeah. show up mm. for South African films. Mm. So a, so Kalushi, in terms of biopics, did well for biopics. For biopics, for, regardless of South African or not. Yes, regardless of South African or not. Five Fingers for Marseille did as well as other westerns of its like. True Grit, which was it was nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars, wasn't it? And I believe it was an Oscar-winning film for one of the... I'm not... I, let I, me can, not, I can't remember, yeah, yeah. But that movie grossed $1.5 at our box office. Yeah. Five Fingers from Marseille grossed $1.7 at yeah. our box, box office. Our romance films, when these films are of quality and they're good, yeah. South African films, who would usually watch that? And if it's not the same people who would usually watch that, that audience shows up. So yeah. what we now need to be doing is to making sure that the other audiences who may not be of cinema going because maybe they don't want to watch international films because local patriotism should be higher than than what it is that international internationals are and genre yeah. for genre yeah. we it kind of seems that we're there so what yeah. we're trying to build is more to get to a place where our comedies do twice as good as the internationals or at least 1.5 times as good so it then starts making financial sense against the budgets exactly <laughs> that yeah. we're putting yeah. in because as much as these films are grossing as much as their international counterparts the budgets that are going into these films not the are not what yeah. that well, five fingers from Marseille was not made on a 1.7 exactly. million budget also a true grid grossing 1.5 and five fingers from Marseille grossing 1.7 it's in South Africa. True Grid is doing great in domestically in America or wherever and wherever. It's in many different markets. So which maybe Five Fingers from Marseille doesn't have the fortune of of having that opportunity to be in many markets other than South Africa. So even if the numbers are exactly the same or better, you still have to factor in that. Yes, but the fallacy in terms of saying that South African films, South Africans don't support South African films by and large, has been proven to be false, false. by the yeah. numbers that yeah. come out. Yeah, yeah. It's just now we need to get more of them continuously going actively and proactively to watch them so that it's a lot larger. The same way um, we can have songs which are massive here and they're the most massive here. As yeah. it's, it's, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think another thing, man, is echoing, is was it Whitney Houston's words? I believe that children are our future. <laughs> no, Let them honestly, lead the way. Honestly speaking, because there's not much you can do to your young adult, young professional. Well, there's some you can do, but there's not much you can do to change someone who's existed for 25 years not caring for films to suddenly care for films astronomically. There's not much you can do. That person already has interests. They already know where their money goes, what they spend it on. The people you have a huge likelihood of change of 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 affecting change on influencing are people who are still young, still trying to figure themselves out. And what better way than to infect them with the bug of film? Once again, these things may not necessarily benefit you now for your movie right now, because when you want to make money, unfortunately. But trust and believe. Trust and believe. It's like that whole thing they usually say that you don't want to do a four-year degree because you're 32 and by the time you're done, you'll be 36. Guess what? Either way, in four years, you will be 36. (laughs) You'll be 36. So in any case, if you're a filmmaker, however many years to come from now, if you're still alive, you'll still probably be a filmmaker and you'll need whatever movie you'll be releasing at that time to make money. So 
if you feel like it's a lot of work to work for the future, I don't know, man. But it, it's honestly in your best benefit to know that, well, 10 years ago, I wasn't making this money for my movies. But guess what now? I am. So it's better than not making it. So And not just you, but all of us. Because... Oh, all of us, yeah. Oh, and that's another thing. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's another thing I really wanted to touch on because you can be you can be fine. You can be, you can be listening to this and maybe you're a filmmaker who you know my films do pretty well. But guess what? It doesn't help. It doesn't work because you're the only one. Once you're gone, it's done. That's it. And some filmmakers, even if you think you're a great, fantastic filmmaker, here's a good example. Jamil Ekti Kubega, probably the greatest, consistently greatest filmmaker we have at the moment in South Africa. His films are not performing so well. So it doesn't help him in any way to be selfish in any, in any way where, where it doesn't come to building the, 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 or help building the, the infrastructure. The infrastructure and film uh, culture in South Africa because as much as his films are amazing, compared to other people's films that's as far as it goes you know that's as far as he still needs the money though at the end of the day and so if he's practicing alone he's practically carrying the whole industry on his back which is impractical so in any case you do need to help your competition to exist even though you're competing against them so that you even have a place to compete in the first time because you need in, in the big, more market share exactly to compete in. so it's the whole thing where they usually say like marvel and dc want each other to exist because if the other doesn't exist it's tilted and then you know, the whole system is tilted and it it doesn't work for the other person to exist alone. So you kind of need that to, to be there in the first... Good example, Casper and AKA. We all know as much as we don't like to agree to it that without the beef, they wouldn't be as big as they are. Or maybe one... You know, it, but also no, a lot of things. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that's the only reason. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not even saying that's the biggest reason. But we would be lying if we said the beef, the rivalry between the two of them, the competition didn't further their careers or at least fast track their careers. So what? No, what I wanted to add to it is there's a there's a podcast that I really like watching, and I think if you guys do like podcasts, there's this podcast called Business Wars. Yeah. And when you're talking about Marvel versus DC, what you tend to find with a lot of these um, business wars of companies who are now existing and competing against each other yeah. right now 50 years later when when their when their industries are already established now they're fighting to have the most market share yeah at the genesis of it they had the same writers or they were all helping each other, each other because out, exactly. they had to get to a place where people were actively consuming and engaging they had to work. create the market to begin with before you fight for the market share yes Right now, we're not at a place where South African film or even South African television competitively yeah. is an industry. Yeah. Because we're still building it. Yeah. So let's let's build it, guys. I think that's a great place to start. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that felt like a... That felt like a <laughs> but so if, other, if people want to know more about you or um, engage with you further, how can they do so, sir? Um, it's Nana We're Live on all platforms. That is N-Q-A-N-A. W E L I V E. Manawe, which is my name, and live all is one long word. On Twitter, Instagram, I'm not really on Facebook, um, on YouTube definitely, which is probably the first place you should go. But please come to Twitter, talk to me. I talk about movies day in, day out, every waking second. He is ruthless. <laughs> and he also drag you for, for wanting to edit manually. <laughs> It will drag you for no reason. Yes. And uh, yeah, guys, let's just uh, watch your movies and be happy. 
that was the eighth episode of the african film podcast thank you so much for listening as mentioned before the african film podcast is made by enraptured odyssey but i'd just like to take some time to acknowledge some of the people who were integral in the making of this episode including our co-producer kibare wanjugona our voiceover artist nomava kibare as well as the music composer katleko doshi tema We'd also like to acknowledge our sponsors who made this episode possible, the Brocast Showcase and the NFBF. If you are an aspiring filmmaker or are within the industry, I do urge you to check out the NFBF's newsletters and follow them on their social pages to get more information surrounding what is happening within the South African film and television industry. And finally, if you'd like to know more about the African Film Podcast, you can check us both out on our social media platforms, which is at African Film which is A-F-R-I-Q-U-A-N phone both on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter you can also check out the website which has the full episode notes from each of the episodes which includes what the film recommendations were the credit list and all that important information including the oral transcripts for these episodes so if you go to enraptured.africa and then go to the african film section you'll be able to find all of that additional information which may not be in the information on whatever streaming platform you're listening to thank you so much for listening to the african film podcast this was the eighth episode we shall see you next week with our ninth episode and yeah we hope you enjoyed it